Hello and welcome to the Top Dog Podcast. I am Adrian. I'm Katja. It's great to have you here. You are in the right place to learn about dog themes and things you never thought would exist or would be possible. And you will meet people with great ideas how to improve your and your dog's life. So Katja, what do you think? Shall we unleash dogs? Yes, let's do it. This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching and doggy themes. Yummy in my tummy. Alfresco is the go. The Hitchhiker's Guide to Railway Stations. And of course... Top Dog On Spot Challenge. Every dog on this planet should be able to say Top Dog Oddbot Spelling. <laughs> See, I can't say it. <laughs> so, dogs can say much better. And we both believe in it, don't we? <laughs> because I can't say it either. And dogs do much better. <laughs> That's why we leave it to the dogs. And uh, one day we'll find a dog who actually can say it. And today, Adrian and her dog Willow, they will have a crack at it. And we shouldn't laugh when that dog is trying. For that reason, we have a special spot. It's the odd spot that makes you laugh or cry or inspires you. What have you got today, Katja? I'm not sure in which category that falls, but Adrian, did you ever have neighbours with exotic pets? Uh, no, no, not that I, no, not that I recall. No, no, no. no. Well, some residents of a condo in Kuala Lumpur were a little surprised when they saw a little bear sticking his head out of a window. <laughs> so bears would be a very exotic pet, I guess. Yeah, but what's got a bear to do with the dog? The story is that the owner of that condo or the person who lived there, she found what she believed was a dog. And she fed it and uh, later on, well, she did realize it was a bear, took it home because it looked so sick. Later on, she intended on calling the zoo because this kind of bear, a sun bear, is actually a protected species. And, well, I guess the other problem was you shouldn't really keep a bear at home. A dog, much better. <laughs> yeah, well, a teddy bear would do the job too, yeah. actually. <laughs> Gee, so she, she thought she got a dog and it was a bear. So you better watch out in the future. You better watch out. You never know what you get. No. So, but I think if you get a greyhound... Greyhounds pretty much look like greyhounds, like Sting, that's his name. He, Sting, he's from Minnesota and he actually helps students to upgrade their skills, their aptitudes, so they, they read stories to him. And uh, one night he went to the library and there was nobody there. Oh. And his owner, John Milner, he posted a photo on Facebook of the sad dog, sad Sting, and saying, please, students, come. My dog is so sad. He wants to have read a story oh. to him. And guess what? That photo got shared 100,000 times God. that night. They can't fit that many people into the library, I guess. <laughs> no, but students did come. So dog was happy and uh, he got read some stories to him. Oh, lucky dog. Happy ending in the end. If you felt like you wanted some company, where would you go apart from a library? Well, yeah, definitely not 
going, <laughs> I wouldn't go to a library. <laughs> Nobody will turn up, I'm sure. But I found a place in Melbourne, believe it or not, it's actually a cafe where you can take your dog because normally it's it's not allowed in Australia to take your dog to a restaurant, but there is one in Collingwood, that's a suburb of Melbourne, where you can take your dog. Yes, and the owner, they started this place because there weren't enough cafes in Melbourne where you could take a dog. You'd had to tie it to a pole outside and you rush in, grab your coffee and run. So they decided it was not fair. So they created a, quote, destination that is centered around dogs where humans are welcome. So you can grab a sandwich, <laughs> but yeah. I think the food on offer for dogs was much better. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. And you don't have to tie yourself up outside. You can actually <laughs> hop, you can go in with the dog and sit down as well. <laughs> Let's have a listen what Manny had to tell So it's pretty much like a pet shop with a cafe in it. Obviously dog orientated. Um, we do everything from raw to cooked food to, you know, for both kind of diets. All our food is all free range and human grade, so we own the best quality here. We do pup cakes, we've got biscuits, we do dogachinos, so yeah, and we even got a human section. Well, we were worried about that one. (laughs) (laughs) You take great pride in what you select, I think, the products, yeah? Yeah, um, we try and make sure that everything's done locally. We know what ingredients goes into what, so we just want to make sure everything's healthy. We do have a one sweet treat here that's all right you know every every now and then like ourselves we indulge in something sweet so but um yeah everything is human grade and all natural so we do what we can to make sure we have the best quality on hand and how did you start i mean did you just went like ah this is missing (laughs) oh well i was doing our own little business on the side um, making pup cakes and treats and all that and um, when i bought this we just added our little twist and our little um yeah, so, you know, we wanted to make it something that was wholesome, something that was fresh, everything that's locally made, just, you know, on hand and something that's different from all the other big pet shops around. So, we're like a little niche place that's different. Who do you find comes here? What's your clientele? Oh, obviously, all the dog owners are our clientele. Um, uh, you know, we have a lot of locals, but we do have a lot of people who do come and travel We've had people from Sydney come down, from Adelaide, from Perth, um, all around Australia that come down here to check it out because obviously there's not really anything around like this anywhere, to be honest, so um, we're pretty lucky. But, yeah, we do have a lot of locals that do come and do source their food from here. So, yeah, it's... So I think when you opened, you got quite a bit of publicity with Herald Sun and oh, so yes. forth, local newspapers. And there was a photo where it's, you had a sign in the window, it said the first Australian dog, dog cafe. cafe. Yeah, yeah. so the first one that was ever done. So that was pretty cool. Um, and oh, yeah, we're still, you know, people are still finding out about us. Um, even like, locals still don't know that we're around, which is really weird. No, we still have, like, you know, today I got contacted by the Herald Sun to talk about dog birthday parties. feels like we're still new again, but it's good for business. Yeah. <laughs> well, we heard the rumour that you organise dog weddings as well. Oh, right? look, we were meant to have one last year, but they sort of just pulled out. But um, yeah, It wasn't we, a look, good match. No, no, like, um, I think he, he cheated on her. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he, got, sure. he got cold feet. Yeah, he got cold, yeah, he didn't know what to do. Cold paws. Cold paws. Cold paws. Cold paws. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we do 
well, we had that lined up, but that didn't work out. But um, no, we do a lot of birthday parties. Um, we do meetups of different breeds. For example, this week on Saturday, we've got um, Cocker Spaniel meetup. And on the Sunday, we've got a Spitz and Samoyed meetup. So every weekend, we change them up. And it's really fun, you know, get together with different, you know, people and with the same dog. And, you know, you can become like friends out of it. So it's a nice little idea that we do. I would like to know, know more about the dog wedding. What was the idea behind that wedding oh, party? Well, we can get married, so why can't they? You know, so it's a bit of, um, they're allowed to get married. Well, just to make sure it was between two dogs. Yes, way. it was between two dogs. Yes, yes. It was between two dogs. Good. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know these days. You never know what's happening these days. But yes, it was between two dogs. Yeah. My mother-in-law does a bit of celebrancy on the side, so I was going to get her involved. And um, but obviously, like I said, they pulled out at last minute. So. So I wonder if you had a proper wedding celebrant legally. Yeah, I do. No, that was my mother-in-law. Is she's a proper ma- marriage celebrant. She's certified and everything. What would have happened if they're divorced? You know. Well. I th- doggy court maybe <laughs> i don't know <laughs> these days you can celebrate divorce as well yeah oh, so yes yes well i wonder how does it work the concept i bring my dog in here yes taking it out for so, lunch um you I bring your dog here in? um we've got an outdoor area we've got um booths that are outdoor yeah of course okay. and the booths are more for um when they're eating and for the owners themselves to sit in And um, or if your dog's a little bit, you know, anxious or isn't getting along with the other dogs, you can just sit in there with your dog. Otherwise, they're allowed off lead. They free range, run around, have fun. And yeah, no, it's pretty cool out here. So are they like like separate? Yeah, separate booths. Yeah, just for those those little reasons. Mainly for when they're eating, so we don't have like fights or thieves. Yeah, you know. (laughs) So. Some dogs go. Oh yes, yeah. look, I've I've had it happen to me before. You know, gone outside to put something on the ground, and there's a dog right behind me that snatched it. So, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to be careful. So, yeah, that's all what the booths are for. But um, it's all set up outdoors. Has that a reason? Uh, the, yes, there is a reason because I'm not allowed by law to have food and dogs inside. That's in Australia. That's in Australia. Okay, there is obviously Europe's quite um easygoing. And they let the dogs come in cafes, yeah. certain cafes and that. So that's why there's only outdoor seating. But, you know, dogs are always outside. And these days are mostly inside now. You know, it's what we've got to deal with and we do it quite well. So uh-huh. We well, can get cold in Melbourne in winter. Yes. So how do you deal with that? So, um, we, you know, we've got heaters. We put up extra canopies and gazebos to cover from the rain. And yeah, and it works quite well. Like, it's actually surprising, quite busy during winter time as well. Um, with the meetups, with birthday parties, and that. So, yeah, it's sort of non-stop, which uh-huh. is good. Now you've got opening hours till 5 p.m. Yes. So, were you thinking ever of like opening up for dinner time? Because well, yesterday when we record this interview, yesterday was Valentine's Day. That probably would have been a good time for dinner. Oh yeah, but you know, a little bit different. I think with Valentine's Day, I think the humans are off on their own little <laughs> trip. But um, we are looking towards that. We've seen what you know. We've seen what works, what doesn't, um, and we're. Hopefully, you know, towards the weekends are going to open up a little bit later if we get our liquor license in as well. That's what we're aiming for as well. So, you know, just open up a little bit later. So, yeah, if we get our liquor license, it'll be fantastic. And again, the liquor license is then meant to serve 
Humans. Humans, yes. Yes. Because, okay. <laughs> Adrian, you found some yeah. place. There is a place in America that produces wine for dogs. Yeah, there is a place yeah. in America. There's a place in England. There's a company in England that does um, all like Prosecco and all that. Um, we have dog Char- beer. Chardonnay. Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, we do have dog beer yeah. on oh. hand. I don't have, I've run out, but um, we do have it on hand here in Australia. So yeah. there are a couple of companies that do it. Which is pretty much, it's just like carbonated stock. It's made with chicken stock, molasses, and some bubbles to make it look like beer when it boils out. Oh. So it's quite popular. Now let's say a person comes with their dog. Yes. And how did they choose the menu? Is the dog choosing what they want or is well, it the, I, the owner? It's the owner choosing. What we like to do here at Doghouse, we like to see what their dog eats at home. If there's any allergies that the dog has you know we can cater for them as well so and it's if they're trying something new well we'll just give them a bit of you know help to try and you know get them to um eat their food for newbies always suggest them to have a wander around well the dogs that is um to have a you know wander around have a sniff get familiarized with the place um and then order food because sometimes when you know newbies come in they get food straight away and their dogs you know too excited sniffing around, playing with other dogs. So we always allow them a good five minutes mm-hmm. and then we let them order something. So, you know, guaranteed to, for them to eat it. Has anyone ever got bitten by um, a dog? Um, not re- no, not bitten. No. Uh, no, we've actually been pretty lucky with that. Like, we've had little, like, dogs have growls at each other. But, you know, the owners that come into Doghouse are quite responsible and, you know, they do take care of their dogs and make sure that nothing happens. Yeah. So that, and that's why the booths are great. Like if your dog's a little bit uneasy or anxious, they can just sit there in the uh, with their owner, take time out, come back outside, try again. Um, but yeah, usually our, our owners are pretty good. So yeah. And what's the most popular items on the dog menu and, and the human menu? Uh, well, the dog <laughs> menu, the most popular items are our dogachinos. Um, they're quite big. Well, everyone calls them puppuccinos. Yeah. But well, ours are Doggachina, so they're quite big. Um, they're popular. They come in a couple of different flavours. So a natural flavour made out of lactose-free milk. And then we do like a blueberry, mixed berry and mango flavours. Um, and then our pupcakes are quite popular as well. So they're, they're the two main um, popular items. And then, you know, everyone gets their biscuits, their bones. It depends what their diet is. So, you know, some might just eat raw, some just eat cooked. So we always we cater for both. And for the humans, well, everyone loves our coffee. We've got little snacks, little focaccias of paninis. We've got slices, we've got cold drinks. So, you know, unfortunately, we don't have a proper kitchen. Mm. Otherwise, I've got a chef. I used to be a chef, so I could produce some really good stuff. But, um, yeah, fortunately, we don't have a kitchen here. So, uh-huh. Even if you had a kitchen, would there be a bit of a problem preparing dog food well, together with human food? Well, hence why it's separate. Mm-hmm. One side's the dog side, one side's the human side. Mm-hmm. So if they be kept separately, then that's okay. So that's the little... Um, little way you get away with it yeah, yeah. so i'm looking at sandwiches here so they're for humans yes they're for okay. humans yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they look as nice as the ones for dogs <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well if you're not fast enough your dog might snatch oh, well, that, and that's that's happened a couple of times like the owners like had a piece of banana bread and they've like yeah. started talking and you know walked away and the dogs just jumped up on the tables and grabbed their banana bread so you well, snooze yeah. you lose i think yeah. often when you go out for dinner you You order two different menus and then they bring the menu and if you don't pay attention, you might end up with the the wrong menu. It's a mix-up. Has it ever happened here? No. (laughs) Well, you know, it hasn't, but 
our food is human grade. So yeah. I do have tomato sauce on hand in case someone... Yeah. No, no, it hasn't <laughs> happened before. But um, I have had a couple of people try the pup cakes because they're just, you know, it's all free-range meat. It's nothing else. Mm. It's all what we eat. Yeah. So probably the dogs are eating better than us. Okay. As you walked in, I saw the toilets for humans. Yes. Again, where's the toilet for the dogs? Um, well, on the ground. <laughs> well, that's it, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a little patch over there with the fake grass that they all tend to go to you know we do keep this place quite clean we it, clean every day we have to hose down but is it the owner's responsibility to well, pick it up yes of course yeah yeah that's the only yeah. thing i ask for the owners have yeah. fun and pick up after their dog yeah. if they do a wee or anything we just get a bit of water you know flush it down but um oh yeah if they do number twos they've got to pick it up yeah of course yeah future plans i'm still thinking about the wedding thing uh, <laughs> maybe you could set up some sort of a doc dating uh and one of our ideas we have thought is like a speed dating not just with dogs actually yeah. to help the humans out you know yeah you know if their dog gets along then they might get along we've actually put that into our thinking you know in our you know in our plans of actually doing that one night so i think it'd be good i think it'd be mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. um but our main focus is to get everything right with the, you know, the amount of food, the variety, the choice, the r- retail section. Make sure that's all, you know, really fun, really all kind of niche products. And to, um, yeah, and then the liquor license is probably our next biggest thing. We, I think that will just hit it off. So, or whether we get like a third party coming in to serve alcohol as well, that's another way of what we're looking at as well. And we've also got to prove out here, we're trying to get it covered. So there's a bit more shelter through Melbourne's four seasons in one day. So they're the biggest ones. But um, yeah, no, we have thought about the speed dating. I think it'll be fun. Thank you. No worries at all. No, that was fun. That was good. Thank you, Manny. No worries. It's great. The friendly and fun many from the dog house, a dog cafe in Collingwood, Melbourne, where you can have dog food, dogachinos, and human food as well. And if you'd like to check it out, their website is doghouseaustralia.com.au. So that's one word, doghouseaustralia.com.au. And he had yummy food, yummy raw meat and bones. Even I, as a human, would bite (laughs) into it, probably. Now, Katja, I have to come back to the library. I said I wouldn't wouldn't go to a library if I felt lonely, but I changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, no, I wouldn't go. No, I wouldn't still go to a library. What I would do is I would hop onto a train because on trains you do meet a lot of people. And had you done that a hundred years ago, you would have met a special dog. And his name was Bob. He was known as Bob the Railway Dog. And he is an icon in Australia. Everybody knows him. And he is actually part of the Australian folklore. You find him in literature as well. Many books have been written about him. And just recently, John Wilson published a book about Bob the Railway Dog. And here's our segment, Dogs in Literature, and who is better to talk to but John Wilson, and that's what I did.
first of all. Hello, John. Hello, Adrian. Thank you for your time. Now, John, you wrote this book, Bob's Railway. There have been books written about this dog already, even a children's book. Now comes your book. What is the difference? Well, I set out to write a serious history of Bob the Railway Dog because most of what's previously been written has been very superficial and there have been a lot of inaccuracies. And so what I did was I've written a book which is in two parts, and the first part is a social history of the development of the South Australian Railways in the 1880s and the 1890s, which is when Bob lived. And the second part is that I have sourced about 100 newspaper reports from people who known Bob and written about Bob and other memoirs from libraries and collated these reports together to give what I believe is a fairly accurate history of Bob and his lifetime. So we know that it's not a mystery that dog really did exist and, uh, and one says that he was leaping onto moving trains. So what did he actually do? He was a compulsive traveller and... He had a, an official collar made for him by the railway superintendent and this had a brass plaque on it which said, Stop me not, but let me jog, for I am Bob the driver's dog. And this became his all-lines ticket and his travel over the South Australian railways was sanctioned by the chairman of the Board of Commissioners and he initially travelled in South Australia starting at Peterborough or Petersburg as it was then called. But during his lifetime, the railway network was expanded to places like Broken Hill and Adelaide was connected with Melbourne. And the drivers made sure that he was on the right train and he went on the first train into Broken Hill and the first train from Adelaide to Melbourne. But who was looking after him? He, I mean, um, he was travelling and then he ended up in Adelaide. And what happened then? He became the mascot of the drivers' union and what happened was that each night he would follow a driver home and the driver would feed him and clean him and look after him and then he'd go back to the engine depot the next morning with that driver and he'd find another train to travel on and so each night he'd be hosted by a different driver at a different station. And sometimes he'd travel just a few miles in a day and other times he'd get on a train and he'd travel hundreds of miles away. In your book you say that in the, in the roll call of Australia's famous dogs, Bob is unquestionably near the top of the list. Well, yes. So is he only near the top of the list or which other dog would be more famous than Bob? Well, people talk about Red Dog from Western Australia, but I think that Bob is... Bob's story is far more interesting than Red Dog's. And, but I'm not, a, I'm not a dogologist, so I'm not in a position to say whether there are any other dogs more famous than Bob. OK. Now, but you could tell us what breed he was? Well, we're not sure what breed he was. He has a resemblance to a Smithfield sheepdog. Now, the Smithfield is... a a breed which is not an official breed, although there is a, 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 a 
dog show in Tasmania, which specialises in the Smithfields. Do you say that you think Bob knew he was a special dog? What what makes you think that? I think that comes from all of the readings that I've done. It's very... You get a feel for this dog when you read the, some of the some of the commentaries that have been written about him. Would you have an example for us, a commentary, or maybe even an example out of your book? Yes, well, I've got a couple of examples, if you allow me. Yes, the sure. The first was written by a journalist called Spencer Skipper, and he wrote under the name of Hugh Calyptus, H-U-G-H-K-L-Y-P-T-U-S, and he wrote in 1895... I had the honour of the acquaintance of Bob the railway dog and I must say that he was one of nature's canine gentlemen, always self-possessed, dignified without hauteur, friendly without being familiar and courteous inasmuch as he would always rise when addressed, pay attention to what was said to him and never treat anyone superciliously as I've seen many bipeds do. Bob made no difference between fustian and broadcloth. He was what I call a well-balanced Democrat, making no invidious distinctions, but treating all classes with courtesy, born of a correctly cast character. And there's a delightful poem that a chap called Samuel Milburn wrote in about 1892. Keeping dogs have homely wits, their notions tame and poor. I scorn the dog who humbly sits before the cottage door, or those whose weary vigils keep or follow lowly kine. A dreary life mid stupid sheep shall ne'er be lot of mine. For freed from thrall I travel far, no fixed abode I own. I leap aboard a railway car by everyone I'm known. Today I'm here, tomorrow brings me miles and miles away. Born swiftly on steam's rushing wings, I see fresh friends each day. Each driver from the footplate hails my coming with delight. I gain from all upon the rails a welcome ever bright. I share the perils of the line with mates from end to end, who would not for a silver mine have harm before their friend. Let other dogs snarl and fight and round the city prowl, or render hideous the night with unmelodious howl. I have a cheery bark for all, no ties, my travels clog. I hear the whistle, that's the call for Bob, the driver's dog. That's a beautiful poem. Now, you said that he's unquestionably near the top of the list of famous dogs in Australia, but you could definitely say that he is part of the Australian folklore, is that right? Oh, very definitely. How, do, how does it manifest? Uh, what do you know about uh, how do people celebrate Bob the Railway Dog in Australia? Well, a lot of people have forgotten him, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book. We've got at the National Railway Museum at Port Adelaide Bob's Collar, and that's the only relic we've got of Bob's. There is a statue that has been put up at Peterborough in the mid-north of South Australia, which has become a, quite an attraction there, which was 
for want of a better word, Bob's hometown, if he had a hometown. Now, we can assume that uh, Bob would have had a, a happy life. He sort of could um, live his passion that was uh, riding on, on moving trains. Is there anything known about his demise? Do we know how he died? Yes, we do. It was a sad end. But just before he died, Joseph Smith, who was the chairman of the Board of Commissioners who'd approved Bob's travel over the railways, at his term of office uh, ceased due to a political... There was quite a political kerfuffle at the time. And Joseph Smith and the Premier of South Australia at the time, who was C.C. Kingston, didn't get on very well together, and so one of them had to go. And it was only by Smith's approval that Bob was able to travel as widely as he could. And he was basically stopped from travelling on the railways and he fell into the company of a chap called Mick Tear, who was the publican of the Royal Hotel in Hindley Street and Bob developed an attachment to the bucket that contained the beer swills so you could say that he became an alcoholic. Oh, no. Yeah. He was... In the end, he was run over by a butcher's cart in Hindley Street. There was a plan to stuff his skin and put it in a glass case, but that never eventuated. So all we've got to remember Bob by is his collar in the National Railway Museum. Right. Well, that, was a, that is a sad ending. Um, I regret that I asked that question. But as you said, his uh, collar is still preserved. It's still uh, on display. And as far as I know, there is even a statue of him. That's right. Yeah, in, in Petersborough. Peterborough. Peterborough. It was, was originally called Petersburg, but it's now yeah. called Peterborough. That's your book, Bob's Railway, written by John Wilson. John, very, very many thanks for your time, and um, thank you for, for a few paragraphs that you were reading out of your book. Thank you, Adrian. That was John Wilson, the author of Bob the Railway Dog. And a very well-travelled dog indeed. I think he's seen more of Australia than I have. That's right, definitely a top dog. But we have another top dog today, and his name is Willow. He belongs to Andrea. She runs the Willow's Pantry, and that's a bakery as much as I know, and uh, we'll talk to her soon. But first we talk about her dog, or she's talking about her dog, Willow. My top dog of the week. So um, my dog made my life um, pretty much better in regardings. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm about to immigrate permanently into uh, to Australia, and when I just came over, of course, you have to start completely new, and, and um, you don't have all this um, social environment you have at home. And um, being a pastry cook and working on weekends, getting up at two o'clock, nobody wants really to to go on a Saturday evening and drink a cup of tea with you. So. Um, it was that I met so many people through Willow. That so the dog community is, is quite huge, and you you just meet people who, yeah, who are like-minded, and it made it just easier to go out. And um, yeah, and, and she's she's always there, and um, she's she's also real a bit of an inspiration for me because she's such a strong little girl. 
so she was being dumped when being a, a breeding dog in a puppy factory. So she was and she was in a terrible state and completely shut down. And, and somehow she managed through a year with excellent foster carers, which are totally yeah they mean the world to me because they made just everything like Willow's pantry happen <laughs> somehow. And um, yeah, and I think when when Willow can um, learn to to trust people and to have fun and know what a ball is and go out every day and, and then I think like oh wow if, if this little girl such, she's such a strong character and it's, it's really inspirational just not to um, just to hang out and just to, to get something started and being brave and yeah and this is probably what I learned from Willow as well. <laughs> that was Andrea from Willow's Pantry and we will hear about her delicious and beautiful cakes soon. <laughs> Top Dog Odd Spot Challenge. Today's contestant is Willow as well, a different Willow. That Willow belongs to Adrian, and we know Adrian. She is the mother of Tom. Tom, we know from a previous podcast, he ended up at the Gold Coast and turned into a hero. But now we'll hear Willow. Let's cross fingers that he actually can say top dog or whatever challenge. Hello, Adrian. Hello, Adrian. Thanks for the coffee. We're sitting at the table and having coffee. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> Good. And Willow is here as well. Willow is a border collie. She is already a few years old by now. Uh, she's about 13 years old. Can she say top dog or spot? <laughs> what do you think? Willow, Willow, come here, Willow. Top dog hotspot? Woof woof. No. 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 Well, you said it wrong. It's not top dog hotspot. It's top dog odd spot. Oh, odd spot. That's why she couldn't do it. Right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, she said hotspot challenge. Yeah. <laughs> and now Adrian made it very difficult for Willow to say the right words if you don't tell them the right words. <laughs> Yeah, it shows again how important communication is. You have to say the right thing to your dog. Anyway, if you want to send your dog into that challenge, just drop us a line, woof woof at topdog.space, or leave a comment, and we'll contact you and arrange a recording. But unfortunately, we've come to the end of our show, and possibly the end of your walk. If you like the podcast, please tell your friends. Your family, your employer, your neighbor, or people you meet on your dog walk. And you will hear us on topdog.space or any podcast platform. That was Top Dog Podcast. Hope we hear from each other again soon. Take care. I'm Adrian. Bye bye. I'm Katja, and say hello to your dog from me. Bye bye.